Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And of course, we've continued to cover uh, everything happening in our nation's capital today, obviously, marking the one year anniversary of the events of January 6th, the breach of the United States Capitol. And I wanted to just take a, a segment to just back up a little bit in terms of what we've heard today, where we heard it from, and more importantly, what do we do next as we try to move the the country forward? There were some interesting things that took place today, interesting comments, interesting speeches, and I want to get past just some of the big rhetoric moments and get more into some of the subtleties in terms of where we really are as a country and what we really need to do in order to move the country forward. And uh, first, uh, so many have have gone to the very loud uh, democracy is uh, hanging in the balance. And it stood. It stood a year ago, and that's important. Uh, And we do need to get all the information in terms of what happened, how it happened, who's responsible for how it happened, who coordinated. And there has to be absolute accountability and consequences uh, and so let's not lose that. Let's not lose that in the political divide of the country. Again, the country is not as divided uh, as our politicians want us to believe. And we need to reject that. Uh, the vast majority of Americans uh, look at what happened on January the 6th and just absolute appalling uh, images that we, we saw play out. Uh, and everyone understands that. And the question then is, is what do you do next? It's the therefore what? And uh, as I looked at that, as I've been thinking about things throughout the day today, reflecting on speeches this morning from the vice president, who I thought gave the speech of the day, uh, she she was very good uh, and for the most part kept a very positive, forward-moving, even a historic tone. I thought that was important. Uh, we've talked about the, the president's speech and I have to be honest, I, I was very disappointed. I was really hoping for a moment for from President Biden uh, not to be the prosecutor-in-chief, but to be the uniter-in-chief, to call the country to come together. Uh, and I think he wasted way too much time fighting the last battle. Yes, there needs to be accountable accountability. Yes, there needs to be consequences. No question about that. We know that. And all those agencies, his own Department of Justice, is making sure that happens. Uh, The House is having its select committee. They're making sure that happens. There have been uh, studies and and things done with the uh, Capitol Police, with the FBI, uh, with national security, uh, and the list goes on and on. Uh, 
And so those things are happening, and they're happening in the right way for the most part. They're not happening uh, in front of cameras and microphones. Uh, They're allowing the professionals to do their work and to get to the bottom of those things that we need to know, and we can move forward. I I just thought the president uh, didn't need to be the prosecutor-in-chief today. Uh, I I did appreciate uh, his comment about where we are as a nation and that we should have January 6th not be a point of demarcation in the decline of democracy, but it should be a point of beginning, a renaissance of freedom and liberty and fairness, as as the president rightly said. So I do give him him, uh, credit for that. I was disappointed of so much of the speech being very political, Uh, especially given that he was delivering that speech from Statuary Hall. So he was on the very ground where much of the atrocities of that day took place. Uh, And I thought that was interesting. That That was poignant. But he was delivering a speech as if he was in front of a, a group of partisans. Uh, it felt like a political rally kind of speech. Uh, interestingly, w- one you probably could have heard from the former president, uh, and which you probably will hear from the former president in Arizona next week. Uh, so I, I'm going to be the equal opportunity offender, and I, I think President Biden got it wrong, and I'm going to project that the former President Trump will get it wrong next week in Arizona in his speech. Uh, Because they're focused on the wrong things. Uh, They're focused on the politics of it all, the positioning of it all. One of the things that I was hoping most for today was for the president to set the tone for the 2020 election cycle. And he did. Uh, But he did not deliver what I was hoping for. Uh, I was hoping it was going to be a call for rigorous debate, for a real competition of ideas a real conversation about what do we value in this nation. Uh, And instead, we've got a lot of distractions and a lot of shiny objects uh, that I just don't think resonate with the vast majority of voters. Played well to his base, uh, definitely played to uh, many of the 80 million people who voted for President Biden, Uh, but it felt political to me. It felt like there was a decision within the room, and who was in the room, I don't know. Uh, who the speechwriters were, how much the president was involved, although I have heard from a number of sources that the president was heavily involved in the crafting and writing of this speech. Uh, but who who really felt like, okay, this is, this is the way we get the right narrative for the, the 2020 midterm elections? Uh, because he, it really felt like he was fighting the last war. He, he was still declaiming, uh, claiming and spending a lot of time claiming that he won. Uh, and we all know that. And that was certified by Congress. And he took the oath of office just uh, not quite a year ago. And move on. Lead. Uh, That's the the mandate. Uh, Likewise, we've talked today about the the silence from many Republicans. Uh, We've we've talked about the quietness that has uh, suddenly drifted in uh, as it relates to the former president. Uh, And so those are all interesting things. So we we have to get past all of that kind of stuff. I want to go back to a conversation I had yesterday with Representative John Curtis, uh, because he pointed out something. Again, whether you love John Curtis or you dislike John Curtis, whether he's your representative or somebody else's, I want you to to listen to where he got. He said something really important uh, about his colleagues, his Democratic colleagues, and the scars that they have from that day. And how do we help them heal? And how do we come together to get something done in Congress? Take a listen. 
The other thing that I get to see is the deep scar left on many of my colleagues, particularly on the Democratic side. Many of them thought they would die that day. And they've not forgiven many of their Republican colleagues for what happened that day. And they won't sponsor bills with them. They won't socialize with them. It's really a bigger scar that people realize that I get to see firsthand. That troubles me. It really does, because the sides aren't talking together. We're not going to heal. I think there's a larger risk there than we're willing to admit. Uh, Also important that the Congressman Curtis uh, pointed to some hope in terms of where we can go as a country. If you look back to our history... We have always emerged stronger than we were going in, and it didn't feel like it, I'm sure, in the moment to people. We will emerge from this stronger than before we went into it. It's hard to see that right in the middle of it. And I totally agree with Congressman Curtis that uh, we will come out of this stronger if if we choose to move forward on this or whether we just hunker down and stew in it and use it both on the left and on the right as a political talking point, as a way to wage campaigns or to raise campaign cash. Uh, Congressman Curtis also pointed out something we all need to think about and I think think deeply about going forward. I believe strongly that every single one of us bears some responsibility for where we are as a nation. We all need to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to heal this nation individually and personally? We're going to get out of this as each individual in America looks in the mirror and makes personal commitments to do better and to treat each other with more respect and kindness and look for the good in people. And to me, that is the the question of the day. Uh, What are you doing? What am I doing to help heal the nation? Think about that. As we as we look back at the day of January 6th, there, there is a great deal of healing that needs to take place in this country. But the healing is not going to come from passing some bill or from an executive order by the president or a declaration by the Supreme Court. Healing doesn't come about by legislation. Healing comes about through people. And we have to remember that far more important than politics is policy and more important even than policy is the principles and more important than even the principles is the people. Uh, We often talk about the cancer of contempt in this country. Uh, We have to get beyond that, that we can see the good in everyone, that we can recognize that we're all broken. We all have our flaws and foibles. And, and despite our differences, despite our disagreements, we can come together to do something. And it starts with healing. But again, healing is not going to come from the halls of Congress. Healing is going to come from our homes, from our hearts, and how we treat each other. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.